welcome to Why a Book, the podcast where we read YA novels for fun. Mainly old YA novels. <laughs> we've, we've yet to dive into anything new. I feel like that'll be a ways away. I am currently reading a new YA novel. Wait, like this is new new? No, no, not the one we're covering. On top of this, I'm reading ah. that, uh, the, the Fire Keeper's Daughter, which oh. is new. But we're not covering it on the podcast, sorry. <laughs> Maybe in like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel there's a threshold of, a, of at least... At least, like, eight years, I think. I was going to say 2015, which was, like, six, six years. years. Yeah, 2015 is a good cutoff. Because after that point, we were well into college. Actually, yeah, I'd say high school, so 2014. Yeah, 2014. Sorry, 2015 books. Yeah, well. You're cut off. Goodbye. Anyway. <laughs> today we have Bad Girls Don't Die, which I always read to the tune of Good Girls Go Bad by Cobra Starship. Bum, 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 bum. Bad girls don't die. That's like, last week I always read the bad title of that book to it. Bad girls don't die. <laughs> I read the title of last week's book also to a tune. Yes. So I like this theme. Mm-hmm. Cobra Starship, where are they now? Where are they now? I mean, 303's on TikTok, but where's Cobra Starship? I'll find out. I'll find them. The oh, radresses. Gosh. Oh, gosh. We're coming for you. No, I'm not. <laughs> Uh, so the author is Katie Allender. Allender? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it was published in 2009, which really aligns well with this anime that I've been re- comparing this book to a lot mm-hmm. uh, called Ghost Hunt. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Uh, well, that the anime adaptation, I believe, was 2009. Mm. And... There's a lot of uh, similarities between those two, which we'll get into, but here's the description. Alexis thought she led a typically dysfunctional high school existence. Dysfunctional like her parents' marriage, her doll-crazy 12-year-old sister, Casey, and even her own antisocial, anti-cheerleader attitude. I love a good anti-cheerleader attitude. Yes. When a family fight results in some tearful sisterly bonding, Alexis realizes that her life is creeping from dysfunctional into dangerous. Casey is acting stranger than ever. Her blue eyes go green sometimes, which, to be fair, (laughs) my eyes sometimes range from gray, blue to green. Yeah, I mean, I guess depending on the intensity of the Uh, saturation. You'll find out that it's very intense. Oh, like a Danny Phantom green? It's a very, it's a Danny Phantom switch. (laughs) Her, her blue eyes go green sometimes. She uses old-fashioned language, which she just sounds like our friend Shay, who speaks in weird British she old says person a lot. ways. So our friend Shay might be possessed. Uh, and she even loses track of chunks of time, claiming to know nothing about her strange behavior. Hmm. Their old house is changing, too. Doors open and close by themselves. Water boils on the unlit stove and an unplugged air conditioner turns the house cold enough to see their breath in. <gasps> Is this a poltergeist? Dun, dun, dun. Um, I don't think, no. I mean, I feel like some people would, if, like, uh, paranormal investigators were looking at this case themselves, mm-hmm. I feel like poltergeist would be a strong theory. It's yeah. not. But that, is... I feel like it would be... It, it would be at first investigated as poltergeist activity. Okay. I know nothing about paranormal things outside of, <laughs> oh boy. Outside of watching Ghost, Ghost Hunt. Hunt. Well, which always starts with, maybe it's a poltergeist. Yes. Well, I am a paranormal aficionado from my lifetime of binging ghost adventures to being a huge fan of And That's Why We Drink. So 
I know a thing or two about ghosties. Yeah, I'm not a ghost fan. I had a nightmare last night because of this book. I thought there was... Well, actually, I'm not sure if I was asleep or not. I swear I heard someone walking upstairs in the empty apartment, hmm. which was really concerning. I thought I was awake, but now I don't know. And then I was just like, oh, God, the demons are coming because I just finished reading this book for the podcast. Hmm. Meanwhile, in my dream, I got clarity on what was wrong with our washing machine. <laughs> Please fix it. <laughs> it was like the valves are bad. And I woke up and I was like, I was also a bridesmaid at my cousin's you. wedding, which I'm not going to be, and it was a really weird wedding. Hmm. Anyway, where was <laughs> I? Alexis wants. We're not even past the, the description. Not beautiful. <laughs> Alexis wants to think that it's all in her head, but soon, what she'd like to think of as silly parlor tricks are becoming life threatening to her her family, and to her budding relationship with the class president. (gasps) The class president. The class president. Alexis knows she's the only person who can stop Casey, but what if that green-eyed girl isn't even Casey anymore? (gasps) Dun-dun-dun. So, um, let's dive into this. Yes. (laughs) We got 11 pages of notes. Listen, my notes are sometimes up to 27, so. Pages? Yeah. What? Yeah. Granted, I have, like, four words in each line, so. <laughs> so we start off, and an unnamed narrator, who we find out is Alexis, so I'm just going to let that be known now, because mm-hmm. otherwise it's uh, obnoxious to just be like, this girl. Mm-hmm. So Alexis is outside in the middle of the night with her Nikon FM2N, which is a film camera from, like, I think the 70s or 80s. Mm, classic. She's a film photographer, which uh, so am I, so. Does she take, what are those, the haunted photos? We're, we're going to get into this. Okay. Because that ties into Ghost Hunt. I was going to say, I I forgot, I also, this Mob Psycho 100 is a paranormal show as well. Yes. But funnier. It, it's, yes, much funnier. Anyway, so Alexis is taking pictures in the dark, and they really just want, straight off the bat, just long descriptions. So, you know, she's a film photographer. She's explaining how you have to have an extremely long exposure time because mm-hmm. there's basically no light. Yep. So she has her tripod set up yep. because she can't hold it because it'll be blurry if mm-hmm. she does. Mm-hmm. All that. And she's, like, been waiting ages for the perfect shot because she doesn't want to waste film by just, like, taking a bunch of random pictures hoping one comes out. Nice, mm-hmm. like especially digital like, film. That's what she's yeah, and she's long like, exposure. It's like you're not gonna take that many long. Exposure yeah, photos. yeah. So she's like, it's not like digital photography. It's different. Oh my god. She's well known as film people. I gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. And then she like kind of realizes it's creepy being outside in like it's like somewhere between midnight to three a.m. Mm-hmm. alone. But she like is like, no, fight the fear. Don't go running back inside. Just you know, do it for the do it for the gram. That's a great the film gram. gram. That's a great gram. Uh, Wait, how old is this girl? Uh, she, I believe, is a junior in high school. Okay, so like 16, 17. Yeah. Yes. And then all of a sudden, her little sister like pops out from behind a tree. Hello. <laughs> okay, and it's uh three. You find out it's three sixteen in the morning. Okay. And she's been outside for three hours waiting for the perfect shot. What is she trying to get a shot of? Just like the moon and the backdrop of their like house and stuff. Okay. Yes. And she talked about how she's tried to get her little sister Casey into photography, but the sister sucks at it. And <laughs> the pictures are, like, always blurry and just horrible. Mm. And then she's worried that her mom has woken up and that she'll get in trouble for not only, like, being up, but, like, dragging her little sister into her trouble and all that. Typical older sibling things we can't relate. <laughs> you know, I never got that was ever a thing. 
despite having many older siblings. Who taped you to a wall. Yeah, but, like, I participated in that. Okay, fair. But anyway, so that's, like, the kind of dynamic she has where she's getting blamed for, like, being a bad influence on her little sister and things like that for Mm -hmm. her sister barely doing anything. And the reason she thinks her mom's awake is that she sees, like, a light towards the house and it looks like someone must have turned a light on. Mm -hmm. So she's freaking out. So she's, like, getting ready to pack it up and get back in quickly. She sees that the soft light is uh, actually not from inside the house, but it's, like, right near it. So she doesn't know what it is, but it's, like, this kind of almost, like, floating, like, soft light. So she's like, I gotta get a picture of it. So she uh, is like, Casey, get the tripod up. And she's like, doesn't want to wait for her sister. So she's taking shots of it, even though they're not going to come out well. And then it disappears before she can get the tripod set up. So they head back to the house, but the light reappears floating right near them. Mm. And then when she's in her bedroom later that night, the light's like floating outside her window. And she's like, what kind of weird fireflies are these? That's Mm. suspicious. (laughs) So then we skip to the next day at school. Alexis is caught skipping class for at least the 12th time that year on top of other incidents of acting out and not being a good student. Hmm. And she's, like, very anti-anything. So she, like, threw, like, an anti-fashion show when they did a fashion show at the school. Things like that. Like, she just, like... She's so like, a typical why the- Fuck the system. Yeah. Yeah. But the principal's like, look, I'll give you a pass on this one. Just please behave. You're, like, an extremely smart, straight-A student. Mm-hmm. Get your behavior sorted or you're going to be suspended. Mm-hmm. I mean, 12, 12 skipped classes, that's, like, way more than my school would have given anyone. Yeah. Like, I think you only got two before you got disciplined. And those were just tardies. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. School. I never skipped class, so. I skipped class with a teacher once. Interesting. She snuck us out. To get coffee. There were only two kids in that class. Well, Alexis goes back to class where they've been tasked with helping to decorate the gym for some alumni event. And that's part of the reason she was skipping. She was like, this isn't even a real class today. They're like just putting us to work for a stupid like homecoming type thing that I don't want to do. And so the principal is just kind of like, all right, that's that's kind of fair. (laughs) And then you meet Pepper, the loud perfectionist cheerleader. And Pepper is mad uh, Alexis, partly because Alexis just hates cheerleaders, but also because Pepper's little sister is friends with Casey. Mm-hmm. And the last time that the little sister, whose name is Mimi, was hanging with Casey, she ended up breaking her arm. And Casey told everyone it was an accident, but Pepper's like, no, you're like freak of a little sister. Got mad at her for like touching her doll collection and broke Mimi's arm, but Mimi's oh not telling people the truth. And a part of Alexis, like part of Alexis' mind is like, no, like that's not true. But she does admit that Casey is extremely territorial over her doll collection. Mm-hmm. She has dozens of dolls, like, of ranging from, like, porcelain to Raggedy Ann dolls and, like, everything in between. Like, mm-hmm. she's just a, a doll collector, which is creepy, even mm-hmm. if you're a child. So, actually, Alexis is a sophomore because at this point you meet her classmate Megan, who's in the same year as her, who, despite being a sophomore, is, is already the co-captain of the cheer squad. And she is Alexis's self-proclaimed nemesis because Megan gets rewarded for doing things that are similar to Alexis. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if Megan suggests that something should be changed in how the school operates, she's, like, commended and, like, uh, praised. But if Alexis says something similar, then she's, like, disciplined. 
mostly because Alexis goes about it a different way, and we'll just like try to like throw like yeah. a whole protest and like dismantle everything where Megan's like organized change. I just love whenever anybody in YA books, high school themed books are like, this is my nemesis. Yeah. That's not a thing. No, it's not. People don't have nemeses. No, they don't. But Alexis also realizes that Megan really isn't like the other cheerleaders and um, because Megan makes like kind of sarcastic comments about people. <gasps> yeah. Scandal. Yeah. <laughs> but she still hates Megan. <laughs> and we found out that part of Alexis's issue with all these cheerleaders is that back in middle school, Alexis had this friend who was horribly bullied by the middle school cheerleaders who are now, like, a lot of these girls Mm -hmm. in high school. Like, because this girl gained weight and they ridiculed her in front of the whole school Mm. for her weight. Like, to the point that Alexis's friend ended up transferring. Mm. Like, they moved because it was just too much. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. And Alexis led a petition to ban these cheerleaders who bullied her from being allowed to try out for the JV cheer team when they got to high school the next year. Uh And that the JV coach was like, okay, fair, like, they were horrible and this was a known incident. So, yeah, but the cheerleaders on the varsity squad, they were like, we need to stick up for our fellow cheerleaders. You guys can just skip JV and come to varsity. So that's why all these girls are on varsity now, because they were banned from JV, not cheerleading as a whole. They yeah, got the, why specifically JV? Because I, I guess sense. that's how, like, I think it was, like, that's how Alexis framed her petition, and they found a loophole. But being yeah, like, but, like, why would you frame it that way? And she's dumb. I don't know. <laughs> but so the cheerleaders hate Alexis because she actively was trying to get them banned from the sport Mm -hmm. and Alexis hates them because they were horrible and traumatized her friend who now lives out of state Mm -hmm. and so this caused Alexis to start acting out and is why she's the way she is now and it was really to show that she's not going to let people mess with her Mm -hmm. because the cheerleaders and their friends were like trying to get back at her so Alexis is like you know, I'm not going to let these people walk all over me. So she became a little bit of a bitch to try to fight this. Mm-hmm. So people are, like, scared to even approach her because they think, like, if they talk to her, she's going to turn around and, like, spread a rumor. She's a big, like, rumor spreader. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's why she has this whole personality. It stems from her friend being bullied and mm-hmm. all that in middle school. And she really doesn't have a best friend anymore since that girl left. Mm-hmm. Uh, She used to be close with her sister, Casey, who, in the description I just read to you, they said was 12. The book says she's 13 inside, so... She had had a a birthday between the description and the... (laughs) Yes, exactly. But they're not really that close now because Casey's changed, and Alexa says she's now neurotic and oversensitive and doll-obsessed and a mess. Mm, So it sounds like this girl needs therapy. Yeah, this is very... Everyone go to therapy book. (laughs) Uh, Alexis sometimes hangs out with the Doom Squad, which is her name for your typical, like, emo goth alt kids. Mm, They have, like, wannabe. (laughs) Uh, Alexis calls them the Doom Squad. Okay. No one else. Okay. One of these girls is Lydia, and Alexis doesn't really like her because she's really fake and annoying, but they hang out anyway. Lydia was a theater girl in middle school, but then she decided to become this, like, bitchy goth girl in high school. I just need to share that when you said Lydia for the first time, my brain spelled it like Litty-a. <laughs> Lit- <laughs> yeah. Lydia. 
Oh, yeah. And so there's this incident in the hallway, like, between classes with Lydia and Alexis, where this girl who she's either on the cheer team or, like, one of the popular kids, she's hysterically crying. And Lydia's just, like, calls her out for some BS. She's like, because I guess it seems like she must have just been broken up with a guy. And Lydia, in front of everyone, like, makes fun of her for, like, this relationship. And it's like, guess you have to, you know, return the pro- like the the promise ring your parents bought you and like this girl's clearly having a horrible day and Lydia's just like so rude mm-hmm. I'm like wow man these characters are good I hate them all yeah I have yet to enjoy any character. of them I hate them all well you're about to to meet one character that I love in this book because they're walking down the hall and out of the blue Alexis gets hit in the face by an opening door oh my god and she falls over oh and god. is knocked out briefly she wakes up to a teacher checking her and she discovers Carter Bloom was the one who hit her with the door. (gasps) He's cute, but Lydia doesn't like him. That's the first thing we find out. And we find out that he transferred to the school last year and he won the student election Mm -hmm. for president after Alexis went on a rant about the election on their homeroom news. Mm -hmm. And her rant led to people led people to not vote for the really popular front runner mm-hmm. and said the random new kid. Mm-hmm. So Alexis is like, he owes his success to me, but uh, I I don't like him because he's now a popular kid. Oh, classic. Yeah, and they've never actually spoken. Um, but she's just like, that's our connection, is that I'm pretty much the reason he's our class president uh, and the reason that they no longer have their like TV homeroom news. <laughs> That canceled it. Did you have that in school? Because we had a whole, t- like, very developed TV production program. Mm-hmm. So we had, a, a, like, a whole, like, n- daily news mm-hmm. video operation, yeah. So we had that in middle school, but not in high school. Interesting. We want, like, our TV flyer, like, it was called Flyer News, and, like, they won local, like, awards. It was Yeah, and I don't know why we only had it in middle school. We didn't have it in middle school. In high school, we had, like, a video production class. Yeah. But I got to be an anchor on the middle school news, which Ooh. you only ever aired like on Fridays or something. Oh, okay. And they would just like play it after the announcements like mm-hmm. for the rest of that week. Interesting. <laughs> but it was like lots of green screens. And my favorite part was just this girl wrote a song to the tune of Stop in the Name of Love about recycling. Oh. That was titled Stop in the Name of Trash. Amazing. And I still sing it to this day to myself. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> anyway, so Carter's really concerned and so like apologetic that he accidentally hit her in the face so he insists like let me you know walk you to the nurse's office Mm -hmm. alexis pushes back but he's very adamant he's like no uh (laughs) let me do this please like i want to make sure you're okay Mm -hmm. and so they have this fun moment when they're waiting for the nurse to come out where he just starts reading the like random pamphlets that they have in the nurse's office, like very glee, uh, those like crazy pamphlets mm. that they had. Mm-hmm. And so they were kind of laughing over the most absurd like health related pamphlets that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's like a nice little sweet bonding moment. But then like when the nurse comes out, he makes a comment like, oh, I should get back to class. You know, I've done my civic duty. And he's clearly making a joke. But Alexis goes, quote, civic duty. Was he just using me as a cog in the oppressive machinery of the white male hierarchy? This girl and the girl from All American Girl are the same in my mind. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, this girl's a little more aggressive, but they have the same, mm-hmm. it's the same character, different font. 
Yeah. And uh, like before before this, Lydia, like before she went to class, uh, Lydia had called him like, or she was like, shouldn't you get back to your young Republican meeting? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So this kid can't catch a break from these girls. No. Uh, and then it cuts to after school and she's walking home and he pulls up and is like, hey, like, let me give you a ride home. It's the least I can do after, you know, injuring you. And she references the civic duty comment, and he apologized. He's like, sorry, like, I, I, I was just joking. I didn't mean for that to come off, like, poorly. And so she finally gets in the car, and she straight up asks, like, are you actually in the Young Republican Club? And he goes, no, I'm not a Republican <laughs> at all. <laughs> Your friend is just crazy. Mm-hmm. And so then they pull up to her house, and her house is, like, very big and very old, Mm-hmm. And Alexis reveals that the little sister was actually really freaked out when they moved in and was screaming nonstop because she, like, thought it was haunted or something. Mm. And Carter just pointing out that the architecture is all over the place. There's gothic windows, Queen Anne shingles, neoclassical columns, a mansard roof, which is, like, something from, like, sec- Second Empire architecture. I don't know. And Alexis is just sitting there like, I'm sorry, what are you saying? Oh, my God. And you find out that his mom is an architect. Uh, so he's just, like, he's just like, yeah, this, uh, this house is awesome. All wrong. My mom would have a heart attack if she yeah. saw this. And he's like, well, who designed this? Why is it so weird? Which that description gives me Winchester Mystery House vibes, which is not at all the case here. Hmm, not familiar. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, you will be as I explain it. So wait, Winchester. That was the. Was that the thing that the they referenced that in Ghost? They re- referenced okay. that in Ghost. Okay, so, it's the, the house that was like built, so it was really confusing. Yes. So basically. Sarah Winchester was the descendant of Winchester Rifle family, Mm -hmm. and she was convinced that the ghosts of everyone who died at the hand of a Winchester rifle Mm -hmm. were, like, haunting her. So she built her house to constantly, in the most confusing way, people say it was... So the ghosts were confused and everything, or, like, to appease the ghosts. There's, like, kind of different versions, but there's rooms inside rooms, stairs that lead to nowhere, doors that open up to nothing, weird windows. Yes, um, the bloodstained labyrinth. Yes, ghost hunt uh, kind of modeled something after this house. But that's all I think of, like, when I feel like if someone describes a house in any horror thing like this as being very strange architecture, it's Mm -hmm. based on the Winchester Mystery House, which... Is I mean, in California. Oh. So if you ever want to go tour it, you can. It's one of those where things in where, California? Who knows? Probably the Bay Area? I mean, if it's near somewhere else, I would want to go. I feel like it was probably around the gold rush time when she moved to California. She was originally from either Massachusetts or Connecticut. Because I think Winchester, I think Winchester Rifle Company is in Connecticut. San Jose. San Jose. I was wrong. All right. Anyway. Well, that is near the Bay Area. Is it? Oh, I don't know anything about California geography. Yeah, because San Jose, they have a lot of figure skating events there. They have the yeah, Saturday it's Sharks. like near Fremont, somewhat near San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, that's where that is. <laughs> the Google Maps listing has it calls it a quirky mansion. It's very quirky. <laughs> so anyway, that's the conversation she has with Carter. And she goes inside and like up to her bedroom and she can hear her sister Casey 
in her bedroom talking to her dolls. And so she goes in and is like, can you just like stop? This is so creepy. You're too old to be doing this. You're 13, maybe 12. Who knows? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stop talking to your dolls. Mm -hmm. And she also, when she's looking at like her rows and rows of dolls, she mentions that Katie's... Katie. (laughs) Casey is so overprotective that she doesn't even let Alexis photograph her dolls. Hmm. Yeah. And then Casey mentions that she has an ancestry report due for school tomorrow, but she's really struggling to do it. And she asks if Alexis still has her old copy because Alexis and her mom are like hoarders, hold on to every assignment. Like they have boxes of stuff in the attic. Mm-hmm. So Alexis is like, all right, I guess I'll be a good sister. Maybe I'll help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Alexis asks Casey about the Mimi incident that Pepper mentioned about Mm -hmm. the arm breaking Mm -hmm. and Casey's upset and is like basically blaming Mimi and being like, don't trust like what she says. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Alexis naps and then she has a creepy dream of a doll telling her that Casey is crazy. (laughs) At least one of these dolls is haunted, right? We'll get to it. Okay. And then we have the most dysfunctional family dinner ever where the dad doesn't really know how to, like, reach out and communicate with his teen daughter. And he's clearly upset that they don't have a close relationship like they used to. Mm -hmm. The mom's a workaholic who's, like, hustling for a promotion. So she's barely ever home. The Mm -hmm. parents have a strained relationship because of that. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it was a very, very dysfunctional dinner scene that was a little, little, little uncomfortable to read. (laughs) And Casey asks her mom for help on an extra credit assignment for school, but she's, the mom's like, I can't, like, I have to, you know, continuously work and do nothing else but work. Uh, and so then Casey's all upset because, like, no one really wants to help her and, like, no one cares about her and their family's dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And, like, the dinner they have is something that she doesn't even like to eat, but and they know that, but they still got it anyway. Mm-hmm. So she, Casey's having a bad time. Yeah, so like I said, therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe family therapy. (laughs) Casey runs off. Mm -hmm. So Alexis goes looking for her and goes into their creepy basement that everyone in the family avoids. Mm -hmm. And that's where Casey's hiding. Mm -hmm. And so Casey's really upset. And so she asks Alexis to tell her a story. Alexis just like, um... I don't really know many stories off the top of my head that you'd enjoy. But she starts telling one. And she's suddenly, like, almost in a trance and, like, lost in thought. And she's, like... Not even sure how, where the story is coming from, but it's just, like, coming out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. And the story she tells is about a couple named Victoria and Robert who met in college and fell in love. And they built this giant house, which, as she's telling the story, she realizes, like, what she's picturing is their own home. Mm-hmm. And then they have a, a baby girl. And she can, like, in her mind, picture this little girl running through the house and, like, going into what's now Casey's room. Mm-hmm. Uh, she mentions that, like... Little girl's not Casey because this little girl has green eyes and Casey is blue. Mm-hmm. And the story continues, and this little girl gets a doll for her birthday, and kids start bullying her for her obsession with the doll and how she always talks to the doll. And the kids like cut the doll's hair off, and they like always chase her and make fun of her. And they like chase one day, they're like bullying her, so she runs to her house and she like climbs up the oak tree in their front yard and then Casey's like oh what happens next and Alexis goes oh like you know the mom shows up and and scares the bullies away (laughs) but like Alexis hints that like that's not what actually she was thinking of Mm -hmm. Uh, and then Alexis notices that there's this old pipe in the basement which had chip red paint that was, like, designs of, like, skulls and crossbones. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's weird. So Alexis is like, all right, how about we, like, 
leave this creepy basement. Yeah. And so she leaves, but she realizes that Casey's still down there, and she's, like, digging through, like, piles of stuff down there. Mm-hmm. And she won't show, like, Alexis what she's taking from the basement. And Alexis is really freaked out because for, like, a brief second, she feels like Casey's eyes are green. Mm-hmm. But then she, like blinks and they're back to blue mm-hmm. and then Casey's like well you're kind of acting weird and she's like oh, it's nothing and so Casey like asks her to make mac and cheese and she couldn't eat anything at dinner mm-hmm. and so Alexis like goes to the kitchen is getting ready to make the mac and cheese while Casey goes to get the family tree assignment that she had mm-hmm. and Alexis sees the basement door opening so she's like Casey why are you down there and then Casey like comes in from the room next to her and she's like well, why am I where and then the, she looks over and the basement door now shut. Hmm. And she's like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. So she asks about the Mimi incident, incident again while she's working on this assignment. And Casey immediately changes the subject by pointing out that the water's boiling on the stove. And Alexis is kind of freaked out at this point because she's like, Casey, I, I didn't turn the stove on yet. <laughs> but the water's boiling. Weird. Yeah. And so quickly. Yeah. And she's, like, trying to, like, process all these weird things that's happening. Mm-hmm. And Casey's just like, oh, you seem like you're really tired. And, like, you, you probably should just get some rest. Like, you're acting a little weird, Alexis. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. What about her mac and cheese? Is she going to make it? She's yeah, she goes up and starts making her mac and cheese. She's <laughs> only 13. Should she be at a stove? What? Should she be at a stove? She's only 13. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm <laughs> <That's the> answer. <laughs> That's answer. Anyway, so she's working on this assignment for Casey, and she's really impressed by, like, this amazingly detailed tree that she drew to be the base of this family tree. Mm -hmm. Um, And then all of a sudden she realizes that Casey's playing with her camera and she's, like, opening the back up and, like, exposing the film. Oh, that's not good. So she freaks out at Casey and is like, you're ruining my film. Don't touch that. And so Casey gets all upset and, like, leaves and Alexis, like, whatever. I need you're you're an obnoxious child. Stop touching my things. Mm -hmm. That night, she can't really sleep well because of all the weird things that happened (laughs) with Mm -hmm. the basement door and, like, Casey's odd behavior. So she goes to the dark room that she and her dad built in their guest bathroom to start developing her film mm-hmm. from the night before. Yeah. She, and she she's all pretentiously describing darkroom setup and procedures. It's really pretentious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming from someone who is a film photographer, she's just really pretentious about it, which Love a lot of film photographers are. Yeah. And she talked about how it actually worked out well because when they moved into this house, they found darkroom supplies in the guest bathroom. So it looked like whoever lived there previously had already been kind of using it as a darkroom. So it was easy to convert mm-hmm. for themselves. And luckily, despite Casey messing with the camera, the film isn't ruined. So she develops just like the negatives. And so she's like checking the negatives and she can see that most of the pictures are blurry. But in one of the more focused photos of that weird light she was taking a mm-hmm. picture of, it almost looks like a silhouette. Mm-hmm. So she's like, that's weird. But she has to wait till like everything's dry and all set to actually develop the pictures itself. Mm-hmm. So she's just like, I guess we'll wait and see what, what actually is on these films. <laughs> And this is this is what I was just like, is this my ghost hunt OC? Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who somehow don't know what an OC is, your life must be pretty sad. But it's an original character. We have people come up with their own characters for uh, books and TV and such. Yeah. And I had two OCs for Ghost Hunt. One, one was the, the fanfic I actually wrote. But the second one that I never actually wrote something for was a spiritual photographer. Oh. So... 
all like she just goes around taking pictures to try to capture ghosts on it and shit. So this is when I first was like, huh, ghost hunt, huh? <laughs> My OC. Yeah. Taking ghost photos. I wish I was a ghost photographer. Well, there's still time. There's I mean, there's still time. <laughs> Anyway, that's my first ghost hunt tangent. Actually, no, we already moved. That's my second ghost hunt tangent. <laughs> so she's heading back to her room, and she starts hearing noises from the basement. And so she's like, is Casey back down there? So she goes to peek into Casey's bedroom, and suddenly Casey appears behind her in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And Alexis notices that Casey's socks are, like, really dirty on the bottom. And she's like, were you outside? And Casey's like, "What? why would I be outside? It's the, like... 4 or 5 a.m. Like, mm-hmm. you're weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, uh, okay. Like, it's really, Alexis is just so confused mm-hmm. from the most of the beginning of this book. Yeah. And then Casey's like gaslighting her and being like, you're, are you sure you're okay? You're like seeing things that aren't like, you're like, things aren't happening and you say they are. <laughs> so she's being gaslit by a 13 year old. And Alexis is like, oh, like, also don't worry, the photos aren't ruined and Casey doesn't seem to care. <laughs> Like whatever. Next day, Alexis has a pop tart for breakfast, but she puts it. She does put it in the toaster. I don't like toasted pop. Me neither. That's why I put this note down. I wanted your opinion <laughs> on that. So we were talking about my briefly how my brother has weird food things. So mm-hmm. one of them is in regards to pop tarts. So you know how sometimes when you open a pop tart, like a corner is mm-hmm. broken off, right? Just like incidentally. Yeah. If he opens a package like that, he will not eat it. Interesting. He says that the flavor leaks out. That's like it's already stale even though it just came out of the package. Oh, that's an that's an opinion. Yeah. That's an we opinion. make up with him a lot for that. That sounds right. Anyway, so yeah, so <laughs> she toasts her Pop Tarts. Yeah, no, no. They're weird if they're warm. I don't like it. No. No. And her mom thanks Alexis for helping and she's like, Look, I'm just under so much stress. Bees him up for this huge promotion, but if I don't get the promotion. I'm planning on quitting this job because I've given up so much of my life trying to work my way up. And if they're not going, you know, to choose me for the promotion, I don't want to waste more time. And I want to have a less time consuming job so I can actually spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. And Casey overhears this and she's just like, ah, Mom, I don't think you'd be a good housewife. And the leaves. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Carter insists on hanging out with her at school and he's being really nice and flirty and Alexis is just like, okay, look, you're like everyone else. You're not being real right now. I can tell this is just like a persona of who you want to be. Like everyone here is just faking their personality. They're not who they actually are. Uh, I can't hang out with you if you aren't going to be real. And Carter hears this and what is his immediate response? I tried to kill myself last year. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, is that real enough for you? Oh, my God. And the reason he transferred to school is because his dad, I forget what his position is, but he's, like, a pretty prominent person in the town. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a huge scandal if, like, all of us got out. So they mm-hmm. kind of, like, moved, moved and brushed it under the rug, tried to brush it under the rug. Mm-hmm. So that's him just being ex- extremely vulnerable to this girl that's being obnoxious. She's so obnoxious. Yeah. And so then they start to get to know each other after this. And when he asks her about, like, her interests and stuff, Mm -hmm. she says, she's like, I'm into photography. And she goes, I take black and white photos. Which, yes, if you say that, most people probably will assume you mean film. But one, digital photos can be set to black and white. And two, film photos can be color. Well, also, like, there's, you could just say, I take photos. Or, like... 
I take black and white photos. Like he he asked like, her a specific question about her photography, and she, like her way of explaining that she does film was, I take black and white photos, which is so pretentious and it's also not like the most interesting part of anybody's photography no like does she have a particular subject that yeah she no it's like they're just black and white oh and he's like asked for more details and oh fuck i always forget how to pronounce this word guest gestalt the german word gestalt it's like a it's a psychological uh, term like so it's based in like psychology mm, and philosophy gestalt i think i want to say it's like to, gestalt? No, hold on. Gestalt. 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 Yeah, I was like, I, I, I want to say the S is like a sh. Yes. Gestalt. Gestalt. So Wait. she describes her photography as gestalt. Hold on. Gestalt. 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 Wow, you can learn how to pronounce words on Google now. Anyway. Yeah. I use it a lot. Wow. <laughs> I just listen to the pronunciation and attempt to recreate it. Yeah. Anyway. And so she's saying this, she's like, like, it's not just taking a picture of a bowl of fruit on the table. It's like, you have to, because the whole thing about Gestalt is like, I think it's about looking not only at the individual, but like the environment and everything that collectively influences the individual. Yeah. An organized whole that is perceived as more than the sum of its parts. That's the... Yeah. The definition. So what she's talking about her photography is like, like you're not just taking a picture of a bowl of fruit on a table. It's the table and the home that the it's in. And it just doesn't sound that. I'm like, all right, go off, I guess. <laughs> they bond. Like, first, he had his vulnerable moment. And from yes. there, they start actually bonding like normal teenagers. And he's trying to show her that their friendship isn't a scandal like she's trying to make it out to be. Like, sure, he's popular and she's like this edgy alt kid, but it doesn't mean like the world's going to end if they're friends. Like, he's trying to be like, look, this is. It's not that deep. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, Carter's a real one. It's really not that deep. So he's like, come to the school dance with me that's like next week or whatever. And she's like so thrown off, but he's just like, come on, like, little. Little, it's little. It's just a dance. Like, just come with me. Like, <laughs> I told you I tried to kill myself last year. <laughs> how more, how much more vulnerable can I get than that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're interrupted because she finds out that her dad has been in a car accident. And she needs to, like, leave school to go to the hospital. And Carter's so sweet. Like, she has an actual panic attack. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, doing the right procedure, calming her down, helping her. You're not dying. As we were taught. <laughs> as orientation leaders. Yeah. From, from the office. From the people that were supposed to be in charge of her mental health. Yeah, the mental health office. You're not dying. That's the only thing you need to know. Oh, gosh. But he doesn't do that. And wow. he actually comforts he her procedure. and helps her through a wow. panic attack. That's great. I'm like, he's too good for this world. <laughs> like, oh. Carter's, there's always one real one that you have to love, except in Elsewhere. Yeah. That book's a lost cause. So Mary, the oh elderly neighbor, <laughs> picks up Alexis and Casey and brings them to the hospital. But they don't end up staying long because Casey very much doesn't want to be there. And she's like, well, if we got in a car accident, would dad come see us? And Alexis goes, yes. Yeah, what? <laughs> but Casey, like, really doesn't want to be there. And Alexis is getting freaked out because, like, they're, like, t- they're told that the dad's going to be fine. But it's clear, like, it's Some, not like... Something's happening. It's clear something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so they they leave the hospital 
because they, they, they're just really stressed being there and head home. And when they get home, it's like freezing in the house because the mom was in such a rush. She left the AC on. So Alexis turns it off and Casey goes upstairs to take a nap in her bedroom. Alexis falls asleep on the couch and she has another dream about that girl from her story she told Casey. Mm-hmm. And she dreams she's part of a crowd of kids who are crowding around the girl from the story and accusing her of being a witch because she was seen in the cemetery with her creepy doll. And they chase the girl to the house, which is Alexis's house. And the girl climbs the tree and the kids start throwing rocks. And Alexis throws a rock at the girl and that knocks her out of the tree and the girl's dead. And Mm. they refer to her as Patience. They're like, Patience, you're the one that knocked her out of the tree. Go check if she's okay. And she goes, and the girl's clearly dead. And she's looking at the doll next to the dead girl, and the doll's eyes open, (gasps) and she wakes up. This is fine. Uh-huh. And it's now noon 30. Noon 30. (laughs) Noon 30. So Alexis has been asleep for two hours, and the house is freezing, and she's really confused because she turned the AC off. She goes, and the thermostat is set to 75, but the thermometer says it's only 45 degrees. The AC is not turned on. So she's freaking out that she somehow broke the AC and that there's, her parents are going to be upset with her and she's going to be like running a huge electrical bill mm-hmm. and everything. And so she goes to make sure Casey's okay and Casey is napping in her room in like a t-shirt without any blankets and stuff, but she doesn't seem to be affected by the cold. Mm-hmm. But Alexa still like grabs a blanket and covers her up and she notices this folder sitting in Casey's room that's full of all her classmates' ancestry projects, so it's family trees for, like, all of her classmates. And Casey wakes up, and Alexis is like, why do you have all these other kids' ancestry projects? And Casey's like, oh, uh, I'm a student grader. It's a new thing they have. And that's Alexis, not a thing. Alexis, Alexis is like, what does that even mean? That's absolutely not a thing. It's not. <laughs> You're correct. They go to try to fix the AC, and they, they go to the down to the garage to see if there's something to, like, they need to flip a switch or something, but, like, nothing's working. And when they get back in from the garage, Alexis notices that her socks are dirty the way that Casey's were, like, way at, like, 4 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why was Casey in the garage, like, like 4 a.m.? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, she's, like, trying to fix the AC, and Casey's all annoyed, and she's like, come on, like, AC, like, this is it, just turn off. And, like, when Casey yells at the AC, it just fix itself. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So Alexis now goes to check her film and start actually, like, developing pictures. Mm-hmm. And once she has the film, like, on the actual enlarger, she can see things clearly, including that weird silhouette shape. But the photos themselves aren't developing. The paper's going black each time Mm -hmm. that she tries to develop it, which generally means your film has been exposed to light. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But she's like, that's weird. Like, she's like, okay, like, I have a a second box of of paper that I didn't open yet, so that'll be fine. She looks... That box is open now. And so she realizes that someone has exposed all of her paper to light. Hmm. And film the photography is not a cheap hobby. No. Photo paper is so expensive. Yes. So she freaks out. And she goes, she's like, my parents wouldn't do this. The only person that would fuck around and ruin all my photo paper is my little sister. Mm-hmm. So she just goes up to Casey and she goes, 
why did you do it? And Casey's like, she freaks out. She's like, I didn't do anything. You know, I like heard a noise in the middle of last night and I had this weird dream. And the next thing I know, I was at school, but I don't remember going to school. And then I don't remember taking the reports. They just end up in my bag. <laughs> and then Alexis is like, wait, okay, slow down. I was talking about my photo paper. And Casey's like, what about the photo paper? <laughs> What's wrong with it? Mm-hmm. And so Alexis is like, oh, yeah. Okay, uh, going back to the reports, is someone framing you? Like, she's like, what do you mean you didn't put them in your bag? Like, did someone put them in there to try to get you in trouble? And Casey's all like, she's like, I don't know. Like, nothing makes sense. I barely remember the past day. Mm-hmm. And she also, Alexis says, why are you in the garage last night? And Casey's like, I don't, I don't think I was in the garage. What are you talking about? And she doesn't even remember running into Alexis in the hallway. Hmm. Yeah. So this girl's possessed. Something's up with this girl. <laughs> Something's up with Casey. So Alexis is really freaked out, and she's like, I need space, I need to be away from you. So she goes on a walk, and as she's leaving, she notices that the tree in the yard, that's the one that's also been in her dream, is the exact tree that she ended up drawing for Casey's assignment. So she's like, I wasn't trying to draw this tree. Like, I kind of just drew it, I guess, from memory, but she's also like, that's weird. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to school to find Carter, because... That's, like, her only friend, really, at this point. Yeah. And she barely likes him. Mm-hmm. And on the way, she runs into Megan, the co-captain of the cheer squad. Mm-hmm. And they have this touching moment where Megan's, like, checking in and making sure, like, that she's okay. And, you know, she mentions that when she was really young, her mom died in a car crash. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, a really touching moment for Megan. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we're, we're getting to, to know that the characters that Alexis hates are the They're people actually too. the good characters wow. and Alexis sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Alexis finds Carter and she tells him, I think I'm losing my mind and explains, or no, actually before she explains everything, she just goes, I think I'm losing my mind. He's like, I know the feeling. <laughs> oh my God. So she tells him like everything that's happened mm-hmm. and he says that he doesn't think she's losing her mind and that she just has a weird younger sister. And he's like, look, like, weird things are happening, but I don't think you're going crazy. I know from personal experience you're not going crazy. <laughs> yeah, but, like, this is beyond just weird younger sister things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they have another vulnerable bonding moment over the idea of, like, being perfect and having how everyone has flaws, but they don't, they don't want to and they think everyone else is perfect and, like, how they view themselves versus how they think others view them and all that. And it's like a very, like, it's a weirdly well-written, vulnerable moment in this book. Mm-hmm. And then there's a clear, like, romantic connection between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And she just feels really safe in his presence. And Carter, like, echoes the same thing and is like, I don't know why, like, I barely know you, but I just feel like I can be my true self and, like, mm-hmm. I feel comfortable. So that is really, and he's like, I also love to hear your thoughts. I was like, well, you're the only one, Carter. Oh, my God. You're the only one that wants this girl's opinions. But then Casey suddenly shows up, and she's furious that Alexis is spending time with Carter instead of Casey. She's like, I'm your sister. Like, you'd rather hang out with this random guy than me. Man, what? Yeah. So they go home, and the mom comes back and from the hospital and says that everything's going to be okay. The dad has to spend, you know, a few more days before he's discharged, but he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And... The mom and Alexis are in her bedroom, and she's like, oh, like, what's wrong with your bookshelf? Because some, like, things are, like, 
kind of falling over and stuff. And she notices that one of her yearbooks is missing. Alexis thinks to herself, I think I know where it is. <laughs> and then the mom gets a call from the detectives. And the detectives are like, we suspect foul play. The brakes were cut in the car. So we need to investigate this. So this is more like um, that the episode at the end of Ghost Hunt. The, the last one? Yeah. It's a mix of that last episode and the doll episode. The, yeah. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah. And this is when the mom, like, because Alexis is like, who'd want to hurt dad, like, and do that to his car? And the mom goes, no. That was my car. He was driving it to, like, get maintenance done for me. Mm-hmm. So the mom's freaked out because she's like... Someone tried to kill me. Someone tried to kill me. <laughs> and Alexis is, like, wondering. She's like, is it possible that whoever's trying to frame Casey for, like, stealing these reports is crazy enough to sabotage the car? Like, maybe they assumed Casey would be in the backseat or something. And, like, they have a vendetta against Casey. She's like, okay, but what 13-year-old is capable of trying to commit murder? And then she's like, what if it's Mimi? <laughs> because of the broken arm. Oh my god. And Casey comes over and she's talking to Casey about something. And this is when she's a very, what I, I would say, like our friend Shay speaking mm-hmm. moment. Because she uses the expression, we oughtn't. And Alexis is like... <laughs> What the fuck are you? Oh, my gosh. You know what we say to Shay when she says shit like that? Yeah. <laughs> we love her. If you're listening, which you aren't, we love you. <laughs> so Alexis asks about the reports, and Casey's like, don't worry, I re- returned the reports earlier today. So Alexis goes and sneaks into her room because she's like, I don't believe this girl for a second. But she doesn't find the reports, but she does find her missing yearbook, and she sees that, like, she was, like, circling certain pictures and crossing other pictures out. Like, she's been, like, just... Defacing the book. Defacing the book, yeah. And she's about to leave Casey's room when the lights go out and the door slams shut. Oh. And she all of a sudden feels like something's behind her. And uh-huh. she feels a puff of cold, wet air on her neck, and she smells rotten eggs. Not, no. not, it's not, it's not Mr. It's gas leak. It's a gas leak. Well, funny you say that. <laughs> anyway. It is a gas leak? It's not a gas leak, but we'll get to there. Okay. And so she's freaking out because she can feel something in there with her, but she doesn't want to turn around, and she's like, there can't be anything else in here. And she finally manages to get the door open, and then the door slams shut behind her. Uh-huh. So she's freaked out. Mm -hmm. But she did manage to grab the yearbook and leave with it. And so Mm -hmm. she notices that Megan is one of the people that, like, her picture has an X through it. Mm -hmm. Other people, like, their pictures are just circled, but Megan's has an X, like, right through it. Mm -hmm. And so she goes down to the garage to investigate, and she realizes that with the way that their house is set up and their garage security and everything, Mm -hmm. the only way someone could have gotten in was if they were already in the house. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, well, Casey, her socks were dirty. Mm-hmm. Her mind doesn't really want to make the connection at this point, but she's like yeah. really inching towards the connection that was Casey the one that sabotaged the car. Mm-hmm. And so she goes upstairs and Casey's in her room and she's like shushing, but there's no one else around. Mm-hmm. So she's just in her room going, shh, shh, shh. And then she goes, she's like, doesn't turn around to look at Alexis and she's just really creepy, like, hi, Alexis. I saw you in the dark. Okay. She's like, do you want to come outside and play with me? No, thank you. And Alexis turns on, because she's sitting in the dark in her bedroom. Alexis turns on the lights and Casey's eyes are green Mm -hmm. for like a split second. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Casey's, this whole time Casey has been in Alexis's room, not her Mm -hmm. own. Okay. So, so Casey suddenly goes, she's like, why am I here? Like, why am I in your bedroom? Like, because Alexis is like, get out. And she's like, well, why did you have me come in here in the first place? What do you want to talk about? And she's, (laughs) and then she whispers, 
we can be friends. Oh, my God. And Alexis is like, get out. Leave me alone. And what does Casey do? Casey slaps herself across the face and starts crying and screaming. And when the mom shows up, she's like, Alexis hit me. And she's crying. And Alexis is like, no, the mom. Alexis is like, mom, Casey hit herself. And the mom is like, why would she do that? And the mom's like, Alexis, like, I know you've had problems, but like, with the past couple years. Like, she's like, but, like, you can't. Don't take things out on your sit. This is not okay. Mm-hmm. And so the mom's totally taking Casey's side and is now thinking, like, there's something up with Alexis. And the mom has this brief thought of, dear Lord, is Alexis the one who sabotaged the car? Oh she doesn't God. say it, but, like, you can tell us what's going through her mind. Yeah. We cut to the next day. And Alexis, she's not in a good mood. She's in a rush. So she just has a cold Pop-Tart. <laughs> she oh, doesn't warm it up. Thank God. Yeah, Gino. He says, cold Pop-Tart? Oh, it's almost his lunch time. Uh, so. Sorry, Cheeto. <laughs> and then her mom wants to talk to Alexis about why she's been acting strange. But Casey's lurking around, so Alexis, like, really can't say anything honestly to her mom. Mm-hmm. And so the mom is, like, really worried and, like, Alexis is being very evasive. And so Alexis just leaves. And Casey shows up to her school. And she's like, hey, just so you know, mom is signing you up for a therapy appointment. And also... Tonight, mom is going to find something in the house that's going to be very bad for you. And she implies that Alexis is about to be arrested on attempted murder charges. But it will all go away if Alexis just starts minding her own business. And then Casey sees Megan and she stops by and Megan's getting like helping build like stuff for the afloat at like the homecoming parade. Uh And Casey's being like all weird. And she's like, I'll keep an eye out for you during the parade, Megan. And Alexis grabs Casey and is like by the hand, and she's like, "Whatever you're planning with the police, you need to stop." And Casey just like storms off, and Alexis looks down, and her hand is just like inexplicably bleeding now, and has mm-hmm. like a bunch of cuts on it. Mm-hmm. So Megan confronts Alexis mm-hmm. and is like, "Something is wrong with your sister." And she goes, "Please don't think I'm crazy." And she explains that she's always had a sense for things like this, and she thinks that Casey is possessed, quote, like ghost, demon, dark side, Voldemort, something, she's possessed by something demonic. Mm -hmm. She is. And she goes, hey, have things been weird in your house? Like, are there noises you can't explain, odd smells, like very cold air, and Alexis is freaking out, but, and she's like, no, like, no, like, I refuse to believe this, like, I I don't like you, why are you doing this? And Megan is just very adamant, and she's like, won't let this go, and she's like, Alexis, something's really wrong, I'm just trying to help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Alexis, like, snaps at her, and (laughs) basically making Megan feel awful for trying to help her. Mm-hmm. And then Alexis gets called into the principal's office for a call from her mom. So she's freaking out. And she's like, oh, dear Lord, this is when they lock me up. <laughs> but it turns out that the police were wrong and the car wasn't tampered with. And the mom apologizes for basically implying that Alexis did this and getting really mad at her the night before. Mm-hmm. The mom mentions that Casey's working on some kind of project and she's like, hasn't seen Casey this focused on schoolwork before. Hmm. <laughs> so then Pepper, the, the really mean cheerleader, confronts Alexis and she's like, I don't like the fact that you're really close to Carter now and that you're going to go to the dance with him. My cousin went to his at last school, so I know his little secret. And basically she's like, if you don't stop hanging out with Carter... I'll reveal his dark secret to everyone. Oh, my God. Yes. So then Alexis is like, this has been too much of a day and goes home. And Casey's there. And 
and Casey explains that she has this new friend who thinks she's special, mm-hmm. and the new friend is magic. And no matter what the new friend asks her to do, she can't say no. She, mm-hmm. like, has to do whatever the new friend tells her to. Mm-hmm. And that people will do whatever Casey tells them, whether it's a school secretary, when she tells the secretary to mark her present for school, even when she's not there, or the police changing the police report. If Casey tells someone to do something, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then Alexis is like, what new friend? And then she realizes all of these blackout moments mm-hmm. that Casey's been having. And she's like, oh, I have met Casey's friend. Um, Casey's possessed. Oh, she's just oh, figuring that God, out. Casey. Well, to be fair, this is not a world where this stuff is established. Well, it's like The Walking Dead where the like zombies were not a thing in media prior to like the zombies coming out in real life. So no I didn't knows. know that. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, it's like no one actually thinks that someone's, like, unless you're me. But even I would be like, oh, she's just a (laughs) 13-year-old. I wouldn't be like, this girl's possessed, but I would be like, this girl needs to see, like, a psychologist. Because she's clearly having some personality disorder. uh, That's basically what Alexis has been thinking. But she realizes now, no, Casey's possessed. Yeah. And Casey says that she likes having her friend. And the friend has some kind of ultimatum that she has to decide. And tomorrow at midnight's the deadline Mm -hmm. for whatever this decision Casey has to make is. Mm -hmm. So Alexis goes into Megan, and she's like, all right, I'm so sorry. You're right about everything. Mm -hmm. Megan says that she'll help Alexis and that they just need to stop by Megan's house first so she can change out. She's like, this is a middle cheer practice that Alexis runs into. And it's like, Megan, we need to talk. Mm -hmm. And on the car ride there, Alexis noticed Megan's wearing this bracelet that's like a a charm bracelet with like half a heart. Mm -hmm. And... Alexis is like, oh, like, I had a necklace that looked just like that when I was little. And uh, Megan's like, oh, like, this was, you know, technically a necklace. And it's something that I got when I was really little from my mom. It's, like, the only thing I have left of her mm-hmm. because she passed away. And Alexis asks, like, how Megan got into all this supernatural stuff. And she goes, do you believe in angels? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Megan. Anyway, we're not getting into fallen angels. Don't worry. Yeah, but still just angels. And Megan, because Megan's like, you know, after my mom passed, I really believe, you know, that angels are real and Mm -hmm. watching over you. Mm -hmm. And she says, once you believe in this kind of positive supernatural, like, world, uh, like angels, it's easy to believe in the bad things like ghosts and demons as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And Megan's like, also, you, you can't mention any of this to my grandma, who's uh, Megan lives with her grandma now that her mom's passed. And her I don't think her dad was ever in the picture. So she's like, just uh, my grandma would freak out if she knows that I'm like into all this supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, yeah, Alexis is like, oh, like, why are you doing all this like supernatural stuff? It is, it's not going to make your grandma happy. And Megan goes, Alexis. You're not the only one who can do whatever you want. Oh, my God. She's like, I have my own reasons. But she's like, calls Alexis out. She's like, you're not the only one that can go against, like, what society and, like, other people want for you. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, Megan and Carter are the realists. So they go home. So they go to Megan's home, and she runs upstairs to change and, like, grab, like, stuff. So Alexis is chatting with Megan's grandma, and she mentions that she does film photography. And the grandma mentions that Megan's mom was also really into photography. And they have, like, this, you know, she's having a nice moment. Megan's grandma is really nice. Mm-hmm. And she goes upstairs because 
the grandma was like, oh, like, are you going to the dance? And Alexis said, Yo, yeah, but she doesn't have a dress yet. She's like, oh, like, Megan has so many clothes. Like, they'll fit. Like, she has to go borrow something from Megan. So she's like, okay. So she goes upstairs, and she summarizes, like, the conversation they just had. And Megan's like, oh, that's weird. Gr- grandma hasn't even told me mom was a photographer. She doesn't talk about her that much. Uh-huh. <laughs> She opened up to you for some weird reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Megan lends Alexis this, like, pink dress that Alexis is, like, absolutely not. And yeah, Megan's no. like, no, no, you'll be... It's, like, the cool thing, because you still have your, like, punk look going on. Mm-hmm. And the pink dress. She's like, it'll look great. Like, mm-hmm. and so Alexis is like, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> so then they go to Alexis's house, and Megan goes into this weird trance where she's just chanting the name Sarah over and over again. And, like, Alexis can't snap her out of it. And then finally Megan stops. And then she just goes, something happened in this house. And she passes out. Mm -hmm. And then Casey's bedroom door, like, is slamming shut on its own. And they're like, we we better leave this place. Yeah. So they go outside. And Megan doesn't remember anything other than the fact that she felt an evil presence. And Megan reveals, because I... Uh, Alexis was like, you were just saying Sarah. Who's Sarah? Megan reveals that fortune tellers and psychics have always kind of been afraid and, like, mean to her since she was a little girl. She, whenever, like, she had to pass, like, a fortune teller or a psychic, she could always tell if they were, like, a real or phony one because the real ones would yell at her and be like, Sarah's here, Sarah is angry, Sarah hates you. She doesn't know anyone named Sarah. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know what that means, but that's always happened to her since she was a little girl. Mm -hmm. So Alexis sees her old neighbor, Mary, and takes a chance to ask her if anything weird has happened in her home since Mary has lived there forever. Mm -hmm. And Mary is is shook that Alexis asks this and she's like you're too young like I don't feel comfortable talking to you about any of this and Alexis keeps pushing and finally Mary reveals that in 1996 my birth year specifically October 1996 someone died in that house mm-hmm. and and it implies that it was not natural causes and then she Alexis is like well has anyone lived there like since like that was how long ago was that 13 years ago <laughs> she's like has any, in 13 years like anyone lived there before us and she says that a couple lived in there briefly after the incident but they didn't stay long and Mary's like I don't know if it, like they were this Japanese couple I don't know if they just didn't really feel welcome in the neighborhood or something but like they didn't they didn't stay long in that house mm-hmm. and no one else had lived there since until Alexis's family and so Megan and Alexis go to the library to find more information and Megan is really good at using the microfiche which is like how you look at old newspapers is like the light like the the little magnifying thing sure and she's like it's because my grandma never told me anything about my mom's like about my mom or her death all I know is a car crash so I was trying to find articles about it but I also she doesn't know the exact date her mom died Mm -hmm. she just knows that it was October of 96 Mm -hmm. oh actually no she just knows it was 96 spoilers alert (laughs) it was October of 96 I wonder (laughs) anyway I wonder who it was so they start looking for articles articles and Alexis finds one that seems to be what they're talking about about the death in her house and it's Megan's mom's death <gasps> Shara S H A R A Shara sure 
Shara Shara Wiley, and it was not a car accident. Turns out the mom's death was ruled a suicide and possibly attempted murder because two-year-old Megan was found wandering near the house, and they assumed she managed to escape somehow on her own. All the doors and windows had been sealed off, and a gas pipe had been disconnected. At first, they thought it might have been foul play, but then they realized it was suicide. Mm-hmm. And Megan's like, well, guess all those psychics were trying to were say, really saying Shara and not Sarah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's freaking out because she just finds out her mom probably tried to kill her when she was like two years old. And mm-hmm. that's why the grandma doesn't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. And so Megan freaks out and she wants to go back to Alexis's house to try to confront her mom. And Alexis is like, all right, you said yourself that's an evil spirit in there. We're not yeah. we're not doing that. And so she finally talks Megan down and Megan just goes back to her own home and the librarian shows up and Alexis had previously visited the library to start looking up paranormal stuff mm-hmm. earlier in the book but mm-hmm. the librarian revealed that this library is super censored so she, all of the books that weren't deemed appropriate are kept in a separate room and you have to be 18 or older or have parents permission mm-hmm. but she sees that Alexis is like whatever Alexis is researching she's really into so she's like I, I have to promote learning and education. She's like, okay, the library closes in 30 minutes. Go at it in the back room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, she starts looking at all the books and she like finds like the paranormal section and she's like trying to find them. She There's like a bunch of white paperback books that she's pushing over and trying to look at like for something that could be useful. And then she realizes that there aren't a ton of white paperbacks. There's just one that somehow keeps ending up being grabbed by her. It's just Mm -hmm. like, that's weird. And it's called Dealing with Hostile Spirits, a Definitive (laughs) Guide by Walter Sawamura, who is the man that lived in her house briefly after the death. Mm. Yes. So she sneaks the book out of the library. (gasps) Stealing. Not only that, she sneaked out some of the old newspapers. (gasps) Too, like, because they didn't have time. She's a criminal. She didn't have time to go through all the October newspapers, so she took a bunch from shortly after the death Uh in case there was like more write ups in it. So, yeah, she steals from the library. Scandal. Um, And she goes home, and uh, Casey knows she was at the library despite Alexis trying to be secretive. So, she sneaks into Casey's room and she finds all these photocopies of public records like births and deaths, all those family trees she claimed to return, they're there. Mm-hmm. And so she has like written all of these notes on the family trees, but they're written backwards. She says like Red Rum in that movie. Oh my God. You know that movie? <laughs> that movie, The Shining. Mm-hmm. So Alexis quickly makes a copy. Uh, like she like takes a picture so she can later like develop it and um, check out like flip it around because like on the enlarger it's really easy with negatives to reverse something Mm -hmm. so that's because it's so hard to read things backwards it's impossible it's so hard anyway her mom mentions that she has to go into the office so alexis is home alone with casey so she's like this is terrifying so alexis goes into her room and she can't stop thinking about this megan revelation with the mom and everything Mm -hmm. and she has this moment where she realizes that that charm like necklace that Mm -hmm. she remembered having is actually the other half of Megan's she just realized because she's like well wait they used to live in this house and she remembers that the way she got this charm bracelet was that the first night they lived in this house she woke up to a voice calling her name Mm -hmm. and being like come play it with me 
And so she was all excited. Like, she was like, yes, mom and dad are going to be so happy. Like, look at me being brave and making a friend. Mm -hmm. And she climbs out onto the roof. And then she kind of snaps to reality and realizes, like, oh, my God, like, I could fall off this roof and die. Like, why am I out here? So she goes, like, crawling back into the window. And she's all freaked out. And she feels something up on kind of the window ledge and she discovered it was a charm necklace that was half a heart and the letters had been S-H-A and then a line below it had been M-E and then something she couldn't see that might have been an O or a Q that she now realizes was G and mm-hmm. that this had, necklace had said Shara and Megan mm-hmm. and so she realizes that it must have been something that her mom that Megan and her mom had that Megan had explained and she yeah. had seen Megan's half of it and she's like that's so weird because you know that lu- necklace became my lucky charm I never heard heard those voices again once I, you know, held on to that and had it for myself. So she decides to go looking for it because it's in a box in the attic. And as she's digging through the boxes, this old radio that's not plugged in or anything turns on by itself. And it's some country song that has the lyrics, home is where the heart is. Mm-hmm. And Megan has this realization that phrase has been haunting her all week. Carter had said it in a conversation. The librarian had been reading a book called Home is Where the Heart Is. And now this radio just starts playing on its own. And she's like, this is some kind of sign. Mm-hmm. And she manages to find the bracelet. And she's just so freaked out. So she sleeps in her mom's room that night. Mm-hmm. And she runs into Casey in the hallway. And Casey's being really creepy and rude. And it's just not a good time. Mm-hmm. So the next day she shows Megan what she found. And Megan's just like, oh, no, like, you can keep on to it. I don't really need something that belongs to a woman that tried to kill me. Yeah. Uh, she's trying She's trying her best to cope with this news. Mm-hmm. And Alexis is like, it's so weird, though, because, like, I don't understand what the dreams I've been having have to do with your mom's evil spirit. And Megan's like, those dreams are probably just, like, stress from the evil presence. It's your mind, like kind of dealing with that in your own way. Mm-hmm. And Megan's like, anyway, I think this book could help you, like, with your investigation. And it's things that go bump in the night. Oh, my God. Uh, so Alexis, because that she realizes she's in imminent danger and that Casey is unhinged, tells Carter she can't go to the dance with him. And he's, like, trying to find out why. And she's it's one of those classic scenes where it's, like, breaking your own heart and breaking his heart for his safety. It's classic. Yeah. Uh, I can't get you involved. Yeah. So Alexis goes home and starts reading up on ghosts and <laughs> things that go bump in the night. She realizes it's not the most helpful book, but she does find out from it that typically ghosts are around because of unfinished business. If you mm-hmm. avenge them or solve like their murder or some other mystery, the ghosts will move on. But Alexis is confused. She's like, look, like she committed suicide. Like, what? Their mystery solved. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she starts reading Sawamura's book. And that talks about ghosts being connected to a physical object and that destroying the physical object can free the spirit and force it to move on. Mm-hmm. So she goes to her neighbor, Mary, to ask more questions. And she discovers that Mary is actually from the one of the families in the family trees that Casey has been investigating. Mm-hmm. Her, like, grandmother was one of the names that she saw written down. And she so, shows Alexis this photo of her grandmother, who is named Mildred, classic, classic 1800s name, mm-hmm. and uh, of some other of her, like, Mildred's friends. And she mentions that and one of the friends is actually a ancestor of Alexis on her mom's side. So there's a list of 
all the names of the people in the photograph on the back. And Mary mentions that Patience O'Neill is the one that's an ancestor of Alexis. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, like, you can hold on to that photo. You know, it's part of your family history, too. And she's, like, so happy that Alexis has been, like, coming over to talk to her recently. And she's like, you should come over more. I love company. <laughs> Sweet old lady. Mm-hmm. And then Casey shows up to Mary's with a tray of cookies. And <laughs> she warns Alexis about meddling and what Casey's doing. And so Alexis goes next back to their home. And she sees that there's a box of ant poison that's clearly recently been opened and, like, used. Mm-hmm. So she rushes back to Mary's. And she... Like forces Casey to go home and like make sure that Mary doesn't keep the cookies, and she's all worried and paranoid. And Mary is alarmed and goes, "The last time someone looked at me like that was 1996." Mm-hmm. And we're like, "Oh shit, it was Megan's mom." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Alexis realizes that Mildred and Patience are people in that weird dream she had with mm-hmm. the, like killing the girl. Yeah. So she looks through Salomar's book more and she sees that. It actually used to belong to Shara. Like she, she had written her name like an inside cover, and it, it was like a month before she died. Like mm-hmm. she had clearly owned this book, and she has this realization. She's like, "I was right. Like this charm necklace is protecting me. So Shara must not be the evil spirit. Like if this necklace is what's been protecting me, yeah. And then she's like, there must be something she's protecting me from. Yeah, that's the evil spirit. Yeah. So she starts looking through those old newspapers she found. Oh, she found. <laughs> she, she stole. stole. <laughs> and one of them says that Shara's death wasn't the first tragedy in the house. Robert and Victoria, whatever their last name was, owned a house in the late 1800s. Their 11-year-old daughter Sarah died. And shortly after her death, the two of them perished in a fire, not in the house, this was somewhere else, uh, which was probably set by Victoria due to grief, but also people assumed that she had behavioral issues stemming from lead pipes in the house, Mm -hmm. and that there was similar behavioral issues in Sarah that they're all like, it was because of all this lead in the house. Mm -hmm. So Alexis looks at that old photo again, and she sees that there's a name that's been crossed off the list Mm -hmm. that's Sarah and that someone has been cut out of the image Mm -hmm. and all she can see is like part of an arm in the face of that doll from her dream. Mm -hmm. So she realizes finally (laughs) that Casey must be possessed by Sarah through the doll. Mm. Wow. Didn't see that one coming. Did not. This really feels like a ghost hunt episode. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. I wish they were here, though. Naru. Yeah, that would be better. Well, that's, like, the other tie-in is, like, there were Japanese paranormal researchers in this house. Time to write this AU. Time to write this AU. So Casey shows up, clearly possessed by Sarah, and reveals that it's past midnight on decision day, so shit's gonna go down. Mm-hmm. Alexis tries to appeal to Casey, but she's far gone. Sarah, it's Sarah, not, not Casey. Mm-hmm. And so Sarah attacks Alexis, and she's, like, struggling to breathe, like, up, up, close to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and Casey, like, can realize what's happening, but can't stop it. And Alexis manages to grab the lucky necklace, and it deflects Sarah's spirit, mm-hmm. like, off of her. Uh, and Casey and Alexis both pass out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. She dreams that night of Megan's mom, and Shara is possessed and trying to fight it, but she can't. And, like, the voice that's possessing her, possessing her is telling her to, like, you know, lock all the door, and, like, basically forcing her to do this murder-suicide. But 
Shara is strong enough that she manages to push Megan out of the house. Mm-hmm. She's not strong enough to stop herself from actually committing suicide, though. But she, mm-hmm. Shara's, like, last act was an act of love to get Megan out of there because mm-hmm. she was like, I can't. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And you see that she has all these photos of this, like, the old porcelain doll. And then Alexis wakes up. And she has a black eye from the assault of Alexis slash Sarah. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I need to find Megan and get the other half of the necklace because the two halves combined might be strong enough to really destroy the spirit. Mm-hmm. Or at least weaken it so we can destroy the doll. So because she saw those pictures of the doll in her dream, she knows exactly what it looks like nowadays, not just mm-hmm. what it used to look like. Mm-hmm. So she tricks Casey into thinking she knows where the possessed doll is hidden. Mm-hmm. So she's like, Casey, I wouldn't leave the house if I were you because, like, what's going to stop me from taking the doll and destroying it? Mm-hmm. And so then Sarah's like, I could kill your sister. Yeah. This is fine. This is fine. So Alexis hurries to the parade to find Megan, and she witnesses the cheerleader's float malfunction and crash. Mm-hmm. Megan had gotten off the float by that point because she saw Alexis. Mm-hmm. So Megan's fine. Everyone else is freaking out. Alexis reveals her mom isn't the evil spirit and is good and all that jazz. And she reveals that the spirit has been gathering information on all the descendants of the people who bullied and killed her Mm -hmm. to get revenge. So that involves killing like half this town. Mm -hmm. So they head back to the house and luckily they run into Carter who agrees to give them a ride. Mm -hmm. And he's so concerned because Alexis is acting super weird. She has a black eye and she won't tell him anything. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, you can't get involved. Just drop us off at the house and leave. Mm -hmm. Alexis at this point mentions that the doll is the key to the possession and Megan's like, I vaguely remember there being a weird doll in our house. Yeah. So they go up to Casey's room and Despite the fact that Alexis knows exactly what this doll looks like, Mm -hmm. and Casey's dolls aren't all the same. Mm -hmm. She's just like, I'm just going to destroy every doll until we destroy the right one. Like, clearly it's not in her bedroom. It's hidden somewhere. You know what the doll looks like. So she's just destroying her sister's property, (laughs) like ripping heads off the dolls. Casey shows up and attacks them. But then Carter shows up, and Casey attacks him. Mm -hmm. He's, like, falling down the stairs. Yeah. So they finally get the two halves of necklaces together, despite Casey, like, assaulting them. Uh And this blue light emerges and attacks Casey. And the house is shaking, and there's this small green light that's, like, emerged from Casey that's flying around, clearly panicked. It has, like, this evil aura to it. Mm -hmm. And so Alex is, like, Casey... Like, you need to tell me where you hid the doll. And she goes, I don't remember. And then stares right at the attic door. (laughs) Alexis is like, cool. I'm glad you don't remember. Anyway, you need to get Megan and Carter out of this house because they're both injured. The spiritual energy is so high. This house is, like, catching on fire and shit. Mm -hmm. And the house is, like, uh, the house is fighting back, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so they leave, and Alexis goes up to the attic, and Shara's spirit is helping guide her to the doll. And she looks down at the doll, and the doll's eyes open. (gasps) Ah! Which I gotta say... The the doll episode of Ghost Hunt is pretty creepy. Like the it is scene when the doll's head rolls off and like stares at the camera mm-hmm. terrifies me. Yeah. Yeah. I I love Ghost Hunt. <laughs> so she picks up the doll and is like she's like looking at it and she's like why am I listening to Shara? Like she's this woman that tried to kill her daughter and killed herself. Like why why should I listen to what she wants and destroy this doll? I should 
just bring the doll to safety. And then she's like, well, you know, Casey's going to want the doll and, like, wonder what I'm doing with it. So, I mean, I'll probably just have to kill Casey. Oh, my God. So then she manages to snap out of her possession. She's like, dear Lord, this doll tried to get me to kill my sister. I need to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And so she she beats that bitch with a bat. She takes <laughs> a nearby baseball bat and she's like, whack, 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 whack. And she destroys the doll and it destroys the spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the house is super on fire. And the only escape she has is to jump from the attic to that giant oak tree, the one that Sarah fell out of and died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she falls out of the tree. Classic. And we skip to seven months later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Great. So you find out that the house burnt down and the family sold, like, their plot of land and it sold quickly and they moved into a condo across town. Casey is at an inpatient mental health facility. Mm-hmm. Because she was having catatonic episodes and was like waking up screaming every night. Mm-hmm. Doctors diagnosed her with psychotic schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the police really aren't involved, but <laughs> some men in black type characters show up. Yeah. She's like the kind of people in like trench coats who don't bat an eyelash when you mention ghosts. Uh-huh. They showed up and yeah. asked questions, looked around, and left. Mm-hmm. Alexis has fully healed from her variety of horrible injuries from falling out of the tree. Yeah. And she and Megan are now getting ready for prom. She's Aww. wearing that pink dress. Wow. Carter's her date. He shows up and he says, I brought you a corsage. It goes on your wrist. I didn't want to be a cliche and spend 15 minutes trying to pin one to your dress. That's not what a corsage is. Thank you. <laughs> that's a boutonniere. That's, what, that's, a, that's a, what men wear. And Megan's date did get her a pin on. And I'm like, no, that's a boutonniere. The corsage is always on your wrist. That's yeah, a corsage. That's yeah. what a whole. Uh, tell that to this author. She thinks that traditional corsage is pinned to your dress. That's a boutonniere. I'm Googling this just because I need to know. Yeah, well, I have two bullet points left. We'll go over. Uh, Carter asks to be official boyfriend-girlfriend, and she's over the moon and tells her mom. And her mom goes, oh, yeah, she, she's like, oh, you're a good girl. And, and Alexis is content with being a good girl. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Oh, well, so they are also commonly pinned. Interesting. Yeah, a corsage typically worn on a woman's wrist or pinned to her clothing on the right side. I've never seen someone do that. Yeah, I think it's it's out of style now, but yeah. I think... That makes sense. But, um, so that's the book. When you said Bad Girls Don't Die was the name of this book, I, I really wasn't expecting it to be, like, a ghost book. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it... I don't know. I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but... It's just your classic ghost story. Yeah. And I do... Going back to the poltergeist, I do think that if this was a ghost hunt episode, they would at first think it's a poltergeist act, which that's actually... That's exactly the the doll episode where Mai's like, oh, is the little girl causing a poltergeist? But in this case, Casey is the right age. It's typically, like, around, like, that 13-ish age and female more than male. And it is poltergeist activity, the change in temperature, things moving around. Strange noises. There's a whole checklist that they go over in the first episode of Ghost Hunt. Well, that's, like, the... The epi- it's like how in house they're always like, is it lupus? And it's never lupus. It's like that's poltergeist and ghost hunt. Well, that ends quickly. It's and that happens because it's the only thing mine knows. Well, yeah, it's the only thing she knows. So she's like, it yeah. must be a poltergeist, and they're like, no. But I would like SPR to take on this case. Yeah, well, that would be fun. Yeah, like uh, Naruto would hate everyone. Yeah, involved. Yeah, Alexis and Mai would have weird bonding moments. Yeah. 
Mai would manage to get a connection between the two of them. Yes. They would she would start she would immediately try to be friends with her, but Alexis would immediately resist her. But yeah. then they would have a bonding moment where she's like, You have weird dreams, I have weird dreams. And then um Yeah. Then they would connect and then things would be okay. Yes. There is a tree. I don't know how helpful that tree would be to our priestess friend. Well, it's it's like a malevolent tree. Well, maybe she could, uh, like... The tree's not malevolent. Well, somebody died. Yeah. Falling out of it. Right, so she'd be useless. Monk would be the most useful, because he's done a lot of possessed object cases. He and John are kind of Yeah, but this is what I would expect to happen. So if it, they would start with the poltergeist thing. They would try to have John exercise it. It wouldn't work, because it's not a poltergeist. And then they would find... You can't exercise a poltergeist. Oh. Poltergeist is like the... the right. The, I forgot... The, um, like, PK. Right. Never mind. Yeah. Well, disregard everything I just said then. I just like John. Oh, love John, (laughs) our suspicious Australian priest. May or may not have been excommunicated. He was not excommunicated. (laughs) Yeah. But, well, it's also interesting because in this book, they say, like, the Walter Sawamura's book says that destroying the object will destroy the spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if that logic would be applied in the ghost hunt yeah. realm. Because you yeah. remember, they destroyed the doll, but the spirit remained. Yeah. Well, like, they couldn't destroy the doll until they got rid of the spirit. Yeah, because it, yeah. it was possessing it. Yeah. Which isn't always the case. Wait, that just reminds me. So, the Sawamura guy just moved into that house briefly and then left? So, you get that. They kind of imply that he and his wife moved in to investigate uh-huh. the house because... Of the suspicious activity. Yeah. And that whatever it was scared them out of there really quickly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. And then they send in their friend, Naru. Yeah, they're like, hey. Hey, SPR, go in. Shit's getting getting real. They would set up their base camp. Why would they set up their base camp? Why not the neighbor's house? Base camp's usually in the house. Oh, well, yeah. that's true. I guess they probably would, ha- yeah, they'd probably set it up. I don't know if they have a guest bedroom. My, there's no well for mine to fall down. That's good. That's <laughs> Anyway. Well. That was, it was a fun ghost story. Yeah. That's what I gotta say. The, the fear factor goes away when you're just being told in this format. Yeah, that's like, like, the, like the sad factor of last week's book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, ghosties, gotta yeah. love them. Well, next... well, I'll gotta tie this in the two. So if Ghost Adventures did this house, mm-hmm. first of all, Zach Bacon hates creepy doll. He hates dolls and clowns uh-huh. and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But he is a collector of haunted dolls for his mm-hmm. museum in Vegas, which mm-hmm. one day we will go to. Okay. Yeah, the only reason I'm going to Vegas is the haunted museum. Mm-hmm. But he would just aggressively yell at the evil spirit and be like, attack me! Come on! No, oh, bitch! That's kind of like, he's aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then the other guys would just be like, please stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do this. They'd send Aaron to the basement alone because that's his job is to just be put somewhere creepy by himself. Okay. Yep. And everyone else is just just chilling and freaked out. Great. Yes, I love ghost adventures. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's our that's our ghosty episode. And th- this will come out in April. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next week we're getting into mermaid times. Uh, I've never into mermaids. This is the only mermaid book I read, and it is definitely more more on the why side. So I'm hoping it's just going to yeah. be a fun time. Actually, uh, this was a trilogy, and uh, let me see. I need to read the summary of the second book for you. It's called From Bad to Cursed. Oh, my God. Alexis is the last girl you'd expect to sell her soul. She already has everything she needs, an adorable boyfriend, 
the perfect best friend, and a little sister who's finally recovering after being possessed by an evil spirit, then institutionalized. Alexis is thrilled when her sister joins a club, new friends are just what Casey needs. It's strange, though, to see how fast the girls in the Sunshine Club go from dorky and antisocial to gorgeous and popular. Soon, Alexis learns that the girls have pledged an oath to a seemingly benevolent spirit named Aralt. Worried that Casey's in over her head again, Alexis and her best friend Megan decide to investigate by joining the club themselves. At first, their connection with Aralt seems harmless. Alexis trades in her pink hair and punky clothes for a mainstream look and quickly finds herself reveling in her newfound elegance and success. Instead of fighting off the supernatural, Alexis can hardly remember why she joined in the first place. Surely it wasn't to destroy Errolt. Why would she hurt someone who has given her so much and asked for so little in return? Now, that sounds like a, a Mob Psycho 100. Yeah. Oh, plot. Yeah. I could see that. Reagan taking on this case? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, God. I love Reagan. <laughs> oh, he's so good. And that's uh, that's it. Next week, Mermaids. The week Next after week that. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Don't forget to uh, follow us. Oh, right. We got a plug. Yeah, at Why Book Podcast on Instagram, Why Twitter, book. and... Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. And Why email us. And email us. Whyabookpodcast at gmail.com. Please email us. No one's emailed us yet. It's sad. I, I want to hear your thoughts, book recommendations, things about your day. I'll reply with cat pictures. We got a sleepy boy right now. Sleepy boy. We got to go feed him. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>